Rebel Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Frey, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. What's up, West Coast Cam? I don't know if I'm up. It's freaking late. I don't know how what time it is for you, but it's past my bedtime, so it's really past your bedtime. Uh, yes, uh, we are definitely up and dragging into the graveyard shift as uh, this Wednesday evening we are recording at 11.30 Central Standard Time, which for everybody... To, just heard Cam admit that he is uh, past his bedtime at nine thirty. Dude, man, ever since I had a kid, I except for the nights when I teach, that's the problem. Like I, I teach and I don't get home till almost midnight, a couple nights a week. So, and then when you're up at five with your one year old, it uh, sometimes you get a little tired. But that's all right. But that's how dedicated we are to the Racers and Rental Cars podcast. We will do this at all hours of the night just to keep you fans dialed in yeah and i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that they're all right now all two of them that are list that are gonna listen this week are probably going screw that dude go to bed (laughs) 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 right yeah pretty much pretty much pretty much but you know the show must go on so here we are and then i don't know if you can hear the cricket that's in here in my garage aka studio i have moved my studio to the garage again because the chill zone is back in action now that I've been able to clean it up and take some of these children's toys out of here. <laughs> but I now have I now have a cricket gallery. So, you know, when Don says all two of you, there's three because there's a cricket involved now. Yeah, some, I'm just going to say we could uh, we could nickname the cricket our uh, email inbox this week as uh, it was crickets. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. The hell, man. I don't know. I thought our inbox would have just piled up when we talked about doing throwbacks, you know, paint schemes. I had I had a couple of people send me messages, you know, send me text messages, you know, like the Hawaiian punch car, funny car from back in the day. Of course, I mean, Bruce Allen and the Levi Garrett Beretta from the rear Morrison pro stock days. I had a few that got thrown at me and I thought, man, that's really cool that there, you know, people out there that still remember, uh, some, some pretty stellar paint schemes, but yeah, the, the inbox was pretty quiet this week. So, um, even though we had a record setting week of downloads, which was awesome, our, our inbox did not we just we're just not offending enough people uh for them to fill up the hate mail at racers and rental cars uh mailbox so i'm a little little perplexed about that i'm I'm beginning to wonder um if maybe we're just not edgy enough cam that's that's quite possible you know my hair looks pretty edgy right now because i've worn a hat all day and i actually just glanced at my portion of the screen and (laughs) wow (laughs) I know one thing. I hope you get that mop cut before you show up in St. Louis next week. Yeah, I know. It's on my list of things to do, but my next off weekend, I got a lot of to, things to do. So we'll see. Maybe Friday. Well, well, let's talk about that. Since both of us were off last weekend, neither one of us raced. It was a nice, quiet weekend for, for both of us, even though everybody was kind of out with the 
of course, the first playoff race in NASCAR, the first playoff race for NHRA. Uh, what, what, uh, what's kind of on your radar here as we're moving into this weekend? What's on my radar? Um, what am I doing? Oh, I got my best friend's daughter is uh, turning one. So they had a kid like three weeks after we did. So, which is really cool. So we got a birthday party. What else we got? Me and Jed are doing something on Friday, I think. We're going somewhere, doing something. He wants, he likes adventures, so we're going somewhere, doing something. Is, is, is he putting in suggestions in the freaking uh, suggestion box or something already when he's eating his Fruit Loops? Well, yeah. Did you see him? He's like out there talking ish on uh, on Instagram, telling everybody that we, you know, I'm bragging around the, the house that we got the highest rated, you know, week or whatever you want to call it last week and he's just giving me shit it's probably you don and brad come on get out of here (laughs) it's something it's totally something can't wait till he's 14 and he's really talking back to me yeah (laughs) well you never know he's probably talking back to you right now with keeping you up till all hours of the night i'm gonna go with the the fact that he's probably going through some teething process if he's keeping you up all night long oh big time He's a drill master five thousand right now. Yeah, so you want to go? You're gonna go old school on it. Slap some Aura Gel on the kid's gums. Pack it in there like you're packing wheel bearings on your on your trailer. And yeah, uh, we were gonna go whiskey. We were gonna go whiskey tonight, but that's we didn't. That's the second one. Give him just like two ounces and a freaking dropper. Just get yeah. It. Yep. Yeah. I, that I mean, that's how it worked in the old days with, with the way I grew up. You know. Seemed to work for me, so yeah. I mean, all my teeth came in. Just saying. I'm still, I'm still alive. So <laughs> <laughs> I woke up breathing today. You woke up breathing today. Well, dude, look, I'm like a little stoked here because, um, you know, I got strong possibility that we're going to be back on the racetrack. We're going to both be in St. Louis next week. Uh, the Gateway event. The weather forecast is looking very cool crisp and could potentially be record-setting runs uh for the weather over it glorious uh i guess i gotta call it worldwide technology raceway now wwt instead of gateway so i'm i'm pretty excited about that yeah that'll be fun i uh i've never raced there but i've been through there a few times driven through there i mean nelly's from there (laughs) <laughs> what what more what more can you ask for right what, how, what in the world how do you reference like that's the best you can come up with for st louis going to uh you want to come station hotspot is there is there other than nelly and the st lunatics come on I, I mean you had the st louis blues baby i mean you got to give them some love and uh, you're you're married Oilers house thank you and you're married to canuck and you can't you at least yeah reference. exactly so yeah. therefore i can't root for the st louis blues come on Corey, it's <laughs> fast racing he uh he loves the blues he was like having heart failure when they were playing and won and whatnot last last year so Oh man, yeah, no, totally. So I gotta, I gotta stop you for a second. So as I'm, as I'm looking at your video, looking over your shoulder right now, right, I'm, all I see is a cardboard cutout of an Instagram filter. <laughs> you, you like that? Yes. So, um, <laughs> please, please explain. <laughs> is that not awesome? So when? Did you go to no, um, I can't it, read what it said, so it, I'm, it, I'm trying it, to figure it out. Hey, hey, huge shout out, College of Charleston. 
It is an Instagram filter for our orientation. Yes, for our lovely daughter who is at College of Charleston, Emily. And so they sent out all these different packets, you know, of promo stuff. And us being the big social media gurus that we are, and we went ahead and had the filter board. Uh, printed David uh, that does DMC graphics it does all our apps for all our race cars all our promotional and our clients and so forth I sent it to him he's like oh yeah absolutely I can knock that out and so um, yeah so we just decided that we would put it in above her bed uh, while she's off at college but yeah I just realized that as you're like talking and laughing I look over there I'm like oh okay I see what he's talking about yeah it's uh, literally like it looks like a little devil on your shoulder <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, I think it's a pretty cool thing and and actually I think it's something that it like all the race teams or sponsors and stuff should be doing they every every team should have some sort of social media filter or backdrop or something on the back of their hauler for their fans and so forth to come up and just take quick pictures and and give shout outs to sponsors and and so forth throughout race weekends and it's something that uh you know my lowly sportsman love life i i'd like to uh, have on my wish list if you will is a uh, pop-up filter for for social yeah. media 2020 they're gonna be everywhere now oh you heard be, it here first you heard it here first hey i'm telling you get get with the program Get with the program. I'll be. I think I'm going to get one done. I'm going to get a racers and rental cars filter done. I'll just carry the cardboard cutout with me at PRI everywhere I go. Just Hell to, yeah! yeah you, just, See, you said it. <laughs> I expect it. Or what you need to do because if I can't make it because I think that's actually finals week for my school, that I have to administer finals that week yeah, and yeah. I have a Thursday class. Yeah, I think so. We'll see. To, I don't know. But yeah. if not, you're going to have to carry a cardboard cutout of me and racers and rental cars. Now, everybody's going to have to be stopping by the Magnuson booth and uh, and hanging out. That's where we'll be at for sure. Uh, you, could, you could post me up in the hall. Ho- never mind. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. They, they, post me up in the help wanted section. <laughs> hey, PRI, PRI said they're going to have an employment opportunity uh, seminar or get, no, to, or get together. Yeah, you didn't see that. They're going to be talking about uh, you know educating uh, the the next generation of motorsports individuals for job opportunities. So I thought about well, I, I get yeah. your resume and and pass it out at the meeting. Yeah, maybe maybe you should, maybe you should stick the cardboard cutout in there, and then uh, and then just put like a little bubble thing that just says. Here's a hint. Get rid of private equity. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of these fools in this room won't be unemployed. That's that's exactly right. Hey, I mean, today's today's Wednesday, the 18th, and my biggest uh, excitement for the day was watching them talk about the federal interest rate getting dropped another another quarter of a point. They keep going at this rate. I'm going to have to be able to refinance my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know you're getting old and you start listening to shit like that it's it's okay i felt really old today because i just i realized for like the past week when i'm making coffee getting ready getting jet dressed and stuff i have the news on like i'm just like i stopped myself today and i was just like dude i'm watching the freaking news yeah but what news it's five you, in the morning are you watching local news or yeah what? just like channel seven like whatever like that's, it's trash it's yeah. all freaking trash but hell, I learn more on on the on talk radio in the mornings than I do anything. But you know, that's besides the point. 
podcast Pod- babies. Podcast Pod- babies. I've heard of those. These podcasts you speak of. What is that? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Today, today on the way to uh, the hospital, it was all about the the Dale Junior download for me and Ron Hornaday. You know, as Ron Hornaday was a was a real badass back in the day in a truck and NASCAR series, and he kind of you know he's from California, right? So, you know, you should have a little tie there. But yeah, I really enjoyed uh, to listening listening to him. It's been 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 a good two weeks on the Dale Junior download with uh, Jimmy Johnson and Ron Hornaday. So that's what I was listening to today. Hell, generally I've been driving the I've been driving the Rolla back and forth to work, and that thing's got like. It's like a 2004, and the radio is just terrible in it, so you only get, like, a couple of stations. So then you have to listen to the generic radio, and all you listen to is the same nine songs on repeat. On repeat, yeah, because there's no, there's no real radio talent out there in the world. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the, the days of radio personalities and, and really, really strong TV personalities are just gone. Yeah. I mean, oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're struggling. Yeah, but it's all good. I uh, actually Angie started driving the Rolla. We we got a new truck, so I started driving the SUV. So because I my commute is now only like ten miles to work, which is freaking awesome. So she's like, oh, I'm gonna just gonna mile out the Corolla to to because we kept it when we got a new truck. So um, I'm like, yeah, you should do that. <laughs> the first day, she's like, these fucking brakes suck. This radio doesn't work. <laughs> I'm like. Welcome to my life, babe. Hey. Things I do. That's it. Just for you. Just for you. Well, you know, you're talking about your radio person. You know, we're talking about you brought up radio personalities. Um, for our for our hardcore motorsports listeners, uh, I think today's guest is going to register in the personality category. But for me, I look at him at the individual is more of a historian now not in a not in a matter of fact that he's you, you know old you know trying to use a, a synonym of a historian my thing for him is is that he's legitimately a walking encyclopedia of numbers and data and racing just cross segments of motorsports all the way across the board he's like a rain man of Motorsports. I, I do. I mean, I, that's a pretty good way to to to, uh, to describe it. I was actually having a conversation late last night with another um, another magazine editor. We were working on something, and he said that he remembered uh, talking to this individual, and he was quoting qualifying stats. Uh, that and he was like, "Hey, how long did it take you to look that up?" He's like, "I didn't have to look it up; it's right here in the top of my head." And and that's that's just the kind of stuff that that just fascinates me about people in our in our motorsports world that that's just you just want you just want to listen you just kind of want to you want to ask a question and then just shut up and let them go and and you just be a sponge and suck it up you know it'd be kind of like like getting the opportunity to sit down at dinner with alan johnson you know what i mean or um heck back in the day let's let them let's let them spew call them up who are we calling Dude, this is kind of this is kind of like one of these bucket list deals where I get to, you know I get to actually 
be involved in interviewing and listening to this guy. But we're going to get Mr. Brett Kepner on the phone. Yeah. On the phone, Midwest guy. The uh, names just keep getting bigger. Oh, the, dude, you you just you just wait. The names are getting bigger. You, you just, I, I mean, this is awesome. So uh, let me see here if I can get Brett Brett on. I'm sorry, the number you've reached is no longer in service. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you doing this evening, sir? Who is this, and how did you get my number? <laughs> well, I told you never to call me on this number. <laughs> we're, we're calling from the bunker at Area 51. I'm serious. Who is this? Brett, you are on the podcast, the Racers and Rental Cars podcast with Cameron Foray and Don O'Neill, and you now are the fourth person that's actually listening to the podcast. You are the next contestant. You, this is actually the prize patrol, and you have just won a million dollars. Press one to continue, press two to be disconnected, or press three to talk to India. And and press eight for Ocho. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for uh, having me on. It's uh, pretty cool to be talking to both of you. Uh, obviously, Don, I know you from uh, from your father's racing back in the IHRA race that days 35, 40 years ago. Uh, and, and you. <laughs> I want to... I don't want to say I don't know you, uh, but uh, that's where I first became aware of you. And Cam, I don't know if you even remember the first time we met. Do you? Do you care? You're going to put me on the spot, and I'm going to be honest. I don't remember, but I know that we've met. When was it? You're the historian. You tell me. I can't remember if I washed oh. my hair in the shower, let alone. <laughs> like that. Well, I'm glad I made such an impression. Uh, no, I... The, <laughs> first time I ever met first time I ever met you was with uh, the world's fastest smile. Who would I be talking about? World's fastest smile. Oh man! Come on. Damn. This is fellow, awesome. fellow, this... fellow race back employee kind of guy. Roger. No, uh, Donnie Cummins. Oh, oh, <laughs> Donnie Bobby Cummins. Yeah, my little buddy. World's fastest smile. Yeah, I and, like uh, I like that. I've never heard of no, called that. I've, I've I've never seen him without a smile. So that's what I've called him that all of, ever since I ever met him. I've known him for probably twenty five or thirty years. Yeah, he may not. No, be uh, uh, he's a little stressed out these days. But anyway, I st- I stopped by in the impound area at uh, Bonneville. Uh, I don't know. It had to be three or four years ago, I guess. Uh, when they were getting ready to warm up for a record return run, um, this is at the Salt Flats, if you didn't hear me say Bonneville. And uh, you were out there, I, I think it was your first time. I could I could be yeah, wrong. I, 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 okay. I run, I, the, I, yeah. I, run, I run the long course time slip stand at Bonneville. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, uh, we were on our way. We did a road trip for Race Pack where we went on, like, the road for three weeks, and we stopped uh, – Stopped by yeah. Bonneville on the way home because I had never been there. Yeah, that was the trip. And, I, only and been I, there they were just they were just getting ready to warm the car. Sun hadn't come up yet and everything. And yep. uh, I, I, I met you because I was on my way to my little uh, my little position at the three and a half mile, and uh, that's that's where I met you. Yeah, no, yeah, that damn, you got a good memory. <laughs> I I mean, I led in with it. 
<laughs> I know. Well, that's what I mean. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to be in trouble. Like I said, I literally have to pull over sometimes pulling out of my neighborhood to remember where I'm going. So. Uh, I, I could tell you Todd Payton if it makes you feel any better. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually talked to Todd and Donnie just yesterday. I got to check up on my boy. I was pretty sure you talked to Todd uh, pretty recently. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I... Uh, I missed Bonneville this year for the first time in 33 years. Wow. So uh, I didn't get a chance to, uh, I didn't miss much, as you're probably both aware, the conditions are just horrible out there. So this yeah, year. the track was really rough, wasn't it? And, uh, well, the Speed Week track was just, there's no way to describe how bad it was in every respect. It was wet, it was soft, it was wavy, it was ruddy, and uh, then this most Recent week, the Utah Salt Flat Racers Association event, which is called the World of Speed, as opposed to Speed Week, uh, it was dry, and it was hard, but it was uh, rough, and it was easy to break through. Hmm. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. We've got two more events uh, in the next three weeks out there, and I, I don't know if it's going to get any better this year. I personally don't think it's going to get any better this year, but uh, we'll see. Uh, well, hopefully. So, sorry, sorry to derail the entire conversation. I, I didn't no, it's to, cool. Uh, this, is a, this is not just a drag racing show. This is a, oh, okay. a all-encompassing uh, motorsports show. So we actually gotcha. get a lot of shit for not talking about more motorsports other than drag racing. So <laughs> shout out, Mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so From our Australian peeps. So you said, Brett, that you, this is the first year in 33 years that you missed Bonneville. Yeah, but that was a stupid boast because at Bonneville, I'm a rookie. Okay, that's uh, okay. I, I have. Uh, that's I what have I was going to ask. Bonneville. Okay, yeah, I have multiple friends at Bonneville that have been there for well over fifty years, and I have two really close friends that are actually Forty ers that were out there the first year in 1949. Wow, uh, that's cool. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm not an old guy. I'm 61 years old. And, uh, didn't go out to Bonneville until I was, you know, obviously almost 30 years old. So, uh, it, it wasn't, uh, a length of time like I've spent in drag racing or something like that. It's still, it, it's a, a hard decision to call as to, uh, if I had one more day left on the planet and I could only go to what event would it be Bonneville or a drag race? Uh, it, it's a tough call for me. I'm, I'm that deep into it. I gotta say, it, it's pretty interesting. Like, I had only been that one time and, yeah, the funniest thing that I that I always take from from Bonneville when I was out on the salt flats is Donnie Donnie Cummins. He tells me, you know, because he lives and breathes it, obviously, and uh, he's like, "Hey, dude, um, are you gonna wear shorts?" I'm like, "Well, by the looks of the weather, it's like freaking 95 degrees, so yeah, I'm gonna be have shorts on." He goes, "Make sure you wear underwear." I was like, "Excuse yeah. me, excuse me." He's like. Yeah, just do it. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm like, why? He goes, well, think about it. Everything you're standing on is white, and it reflects. So if you don't wear any sort of chonies, uh, the boys might not be too happy. <laughs> and I was and like, it's not just it's not just that particular spot on your anatomy. Well, like, yeah, you know, under, your, under your nose and under your chin, under your ears, uh, your elbows, and all those other places that you never thought. For a minute, 
you know where I get it the worst that I that I I mess up every year. It never fails. <laughs> Wear your socks, the, the top of your socks on your leg, because it's closest to the salt. It's closest to the reflection. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. See, see, and I always now, burn now that area, right? People on racers and road yeah, I, I, I always burn my, I always burn that area to a crisp. You know, it's where it hurts to put on my socks. But <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot like that. So. <laughs> well, well, Brett, I, just real quick, and I know this is going to be really hard because you've got that kind of personality and resume. Just give our listeners uh, a quick background of where your involvement has been in motorsports because I know it's extremely diverse, but just so they can have an idea of, of who they're listening to this week. I don't know if I can do that quickly, but uh, I, I started out as a writer, started with Superstock magazine, uh, a publication that was very popular in the sixties and seventies has been defunct in this century. Um, had always wanted to be a writer for the car magazines, specifically a drag racing writer. I mean, I was, I had a pretty specific goal in mind when uh, I was in school. And, uh, of course I also wanted to be a racer. And as soon as I got out of school, I basically started racing and I started sending, uh, manuscripts to the magazines and I eventually got hired by, uh, a couple, which, you know, was for, incredibly poor wages but it was you know all i needed if, if i could eat and do this i was a happy man and uh that's exactly what happened i went on the road uh started uh a side gig as an announcer which every announcer that i've ever met has always fallen into the job nobody ever started out in this deal to be a drag racing announcer or even <laughs> in most forms of motorsports most everybody is backed into it uh, I happened to be in the tower one night after losing early and uh, was up in the tower talking to the announcer who was a friend of mine, a guy named Roger Monroe, and he uh, said, uh, hey, i got to take a piss. Here, take over for a minute. <laughs> so I just was holding the microphone there, and uh, I just started talking. I mean, he, when he came out of the, the uh, restrooms, he heard me on the PA, and he thought, oh, cool, he's talking. I can go visit my friends. So he was gone for like an hour. <laughs> and when he finally came back, I handed him the microphone and he said, thanks. And that was that. Uh, a couple of weeks later, he was a motorcycle rider and uh, he got a, a riding gig with Vance and Hines with one of their, their uh, Kawasaki's. On. And uh, the track owner called me up and he said, I need an announcer. Uh, you want to be the announcer? I said, I'm not an announcer. And he said, well, you announced. I said, yeah, that one time. And he said, it's good enough for me. Uh, and I was running an L-Stock Automatic 66 Barracuda at the time. And I thought, oh, he's offering me, I think it was 25 bucks a night or something back then. And I said, Stock Eliminator at that time only paid 50 bucks. So it's like, okay, this is the equivalent of a runner-up every week or keep trying to, you know, make the final. And I started announcing. And within an hour, an hour, within a year, see how old I am? It's an hour, a year. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> All the same to me. Uh, within a year... Uh, I was announcing for the American Hot Rod Association with their national events, which is a drag racing association that was uh, as big as NHRA for quite a few years in the 50s and 60s. Uh, it went out of business the end of 1984. Uh, in 1983, I was offered to announce, I think it was five that year, NHRA national events, 
by that time, by the way, I should have started off by saying that I started announcing in 1977, same year I started writing. So by 1983, I was announcing five NHRA national events, as well as quite a few NHRA divisional races and national opens and the popular hot rodding meet, stuff like that. But I was also doing United Drag Racers Association races, uh, which was another big drag racing organization that went out of business around 2000. And uh, all that came to a head when the AHRA went out of business at the end of 84, and I got a call from Larry Carrier, the president of the IHRA. Uh, and he offered me his national event deal, which I took. Uh, at the time, I was still writing for a variety of magazines. Most of my time and effort was spent with Superstock. The IHRA National Event Series uh, was broadcast by ESPN in 1985. Actually, it had been started in 1984 with broadcast by ESPN. And at one of their events, their pit reporter uh, bailed on him. He didn't, he didn't actually leave him high and dry, but he, he did quit because he thought he was going to get uh, a Formula One pit reporting job. Can't, can't even say I blame the guy for, for jumping at that. Unfortunately, he didn't get it. But either way, uh, the ESPN corporate guys, this was not a production company that did it. It was ESPN who sent in the trucks and everything else back then. Uh, they were kind of at a loss for a pit reporter, and they came up and they said, uh, we we have your voice piped into the truck. Uh, would you like to do the pit top end stuff? And I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. And uh, that's where the TV stuff started in 1985. So the TV stuff has been whatever we're at now, 34 years. Right. And uh, the writing and the announcing has been a little over 40. Now, I kept racing all that time. Um, the only time my racing has ever gotten any more notoriety than I allow it to get was I raced under the name Mr. Dirt in Superstock Magazine for years. <laughs> and I had a, uh, a uh, monthly column on how to bracket race because I, it's a long story, I, I was... Uh, out to prove to the world that you didn't need delay boxes and stuff. Now, this would have been the late 1980s, but either way, I was still out to prove that uh, a pure racer could still win. And uh, at the same time, I was racing an a uh, NHRA stock limited cars, and there were some AHRA stock limited cars in the early days, too. Um, and then through my own racing, starting in 1997, I started a drag racing school because I had so many people bugging me about more tips than what I was offering in the Superstock Magazine Mr. Dirt series. Uh, you, feel free to make me stop talking at any time, you know? No, I, I'm, like, fascinated. Uh, <laughs> the, and I, I told you, Brett, this is, this is the kind of stuff to, to understand. And I, and I could cut you off because I just have a simple statement that I hope at some point somebody's going to sit down with you and write a book, just a memoirs to catch the stories of you talking about being an announcer for, for 30 plus years and a writer for 40 years. And you, you're the one that should do it because what's the name of the show? Racers and rental cars. And what's the connection to Brett Kepner? 
Well, <laughs> I think everything that yeah, you... Any, anybody, who, no, anybody who's a friend of mine or who, who you know, my, my circle of friends knows exactly what the, the uh, deal is. And that's why I raced under the name Mr. Dirt and not my own name for so many years, other than the fact that that was a, a name that was given me when I was a young kid racing. I had a that Barracuda that I was talking about earlier. I never washed it, so people called me Mr. Dirt. And uh, I never used my real name because my bracket racing, although it started on a local and then regional basis, uh, I started flying into towns and racing with rail cars. I was and, uh, early, earlier this year. Earlier this year, I, I had my 113th career eliminator win. Now, it's not many in the world of you know uh, successful bracket racers. But of that 113 event wins, uh, 60 of them have been in rail cars. That's and that includes that includes uh, always on the foot and running super pro pro. If they don't have a time break, I'm in it. Dude, Don, maybe maybe he needs to be like our our uh, series spokesperson. I, I want to do a, know if I you do a rental car race so bad, like so bad. Oh, there, there've been some big ones. I know, but the racers yeah. in rental cars nationals, like, come on. How do you, <laughs> right? Yeah, we would just struggle. Well, you probably have to do get... it like, like how they did at the Drag Illustrated thing, like backwards or something. Like mm. it's, or you can only have, you can't go rent like a Corvette. It's got to be like a. Everything you know, has Ford to be or something. four doors. Everything yeah, has to have four doors. My, yeah. My, my deal isn't dicking around. My deal is actually going out, renting a car, doing what I know needs to be done to it, and entering it and, and, and racing and winning. Um, I, I tend to have a small circle of friends who are all capable of doing really well in rental cars. Uh, I consider one of my closest friends, a guy named Ed O'Reilly, who announced with me for years in IHRA, and I really should say that the other way around, that uh, I announced with him for years in IHRA, and Ed O'Reilly is the only man in drag racing history that ever won a national event in a rental car. <laughs> what? Hold on. Um, really? Stock Eliminator. What year was that? Chrysler. Uh, 1987 or six. Uh, Chrysler K car, and uh, went through teardown. Yes, somebody get this on a t-shirt, please. Tore, tore the car down, took it back. Yep. And that, what? Where was the? Had to pull a piston. Where was the national event at? Which one? Darlington. It's an IHRA. Uh, it's the IHRA Winter Nationals of Darlington. Oh my God. So my point is. Uh, <laughs> The the rental car racing is a big deal for me, but it's not, how can I word this? I, I'm just ate up with proving a point that if you just pay attention, you can do pretty well in this sport with just about anything. And uh, that's why my drag racing school took off. And the drag racing school was around for 14 years until it got to the point where uh, I was notorious for doing between 130 and 140 events a year for 20 years. And when I say events a year, I mean, you know, uh, 
working Saturday night at some track and then taking the rental car and racing on some track on, on Sunday and then racing locally uh, in St. Louis Wednesday and then having a drag racing school class on Thursday and another one on Friday and then I fly out of town again. Um, I love everything about this episode. Man, he is. He, that is. He, he's living the dream. Go so, I thought this was going to go so know, many other ways. Please, please understand. I'm not boasting about any of this, and I'm not complaining about any of this. this. This is what I. This is what I set up my life to be. This is what I. You know, I, I enjoy waking up in the morning more than you'll ever know. Uh, so I, I'm not complaining. It's just that, honest to God, uh, when I was in my mid fifties, it's like, holy crap, <laughs> this is. This is really starting to kill me. And uh, I, I that was one of the things I gave up was was the drag racing school. I had over 750 graduates and uh, uh, had tremendous success. Uh, we were really cranking along, uh, getting people into a position to, to do really well. I've had everything from fuel guys to grudge guys uh, now i gotta ask i gotta ask because i always forget i forgot to ask brad but what is your what is your favorite rental car modification that you can do quickly on the fly uh as far as things that i do to every single rental car when i jump in it the probably the first thing i don't have to do it nearly as much anymore uh, but uh, the one thing that the world never had up until 10 years ago was a digital temperature gauge, water temperature gauge. And most of those cars, you know, the, the car that I, I won an NMRA national event this year, earlier earlier this year with a, a Grand Marquis. <laughs> and the first thing, I've raced Grand Marquis for over a dozen years. That's my personal car. And I, I've raced several Grand Marquis for a couple of years now. And those cars change one degree for every degree of water temperature. So if, you know, the predictor and everything else says the car is going to go, you know, 16 flat and I stage up two degrees hot, it's going an O2. It's the way those cars are. And it's the same with the vast majority of uh, EFI cars that have any kind of VCU. So the very first thing I used to do uh, when I'd get a rental car is I would calibrate the water temperature gauge. <laughs> now, again, this, feel free to make me shut up on this because this is, no, we're really going to start, we're really going to start losing fucking listeners here in a minute. <laughs> so I, just, I just cost you money. Uh, anyway, I, I apologize for that, folks. It's pretty rare. I don't, I don't usually do that. No. Um, <laughs> here's the deal. Hours. What, what does, well, for years I raced uh, Tauruses and Sables, which were identical cars except for floor shift. But see, because I was on the road every week to work, I would rent a Taurus or a Sable every week. So it, it turned out to be my car. You know, it was just like owning one. Yeah, you get a, get a couple of bad ones in there. But, you know, you always buy the insurance. You get a bad one, you turn around and take it back. You say, give me another car. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my, by the way, my, ser- my only serious life lesson to anybody listening to this show. Always buy the rental car insurance. Yes, that is our disclaimer <laughs> on the show. <laughs> it, it totally people is. Don't, people don't understand. You blow a tire with a rental car, you just bought a tire. That's and it. people say, well, my, 
my my regular insurance will cover me. Yeah, and if they'll drop you just as quick as if you hit a busload of nuns with your home car when you crash it on the road. <laughs> so just buy the $30 insurance and run the thing into a bridge above it at full speed if it doesn't run right and call them up and get them to drive you a new one. <laughs> wherever you crash. All right, not going out on that rampage. Back to the water temperature game. Now, <laughs> let's do this from a virtual reality standpoint. You just got your Taurus slash sable, and you just opened the door and looked at the mileage and said, okay, this one's halfway broken in, but it's not beat up yet. I'll take this one. So you get into your Taurus Mercury sable, and you look at the water temperature gauge, and what do you see? I don't know. I never drove Fords. Oh, come on. It's the same with any car. I'm just using this as an example. Well, I mean, most of the time it's cold, and then it's got like normal. a normal. And, uh, and, and then hot. it's got what? Hot. Yeah, exactly. It's cold and it's hot. So here's what you do. Uh, you've got C and H and a needle in a three-inch spread. That's easy to check. Right? Uh, that's true. That is. Any, any, anytime you look at it, the needle's going to be between C and H, and that's all you're going to know. So you take a piece of duct tape, and you put it just above the C and the H, you know, the length of the C and H, uh, and you fire up the car, and you let it idle until the temperature gauge needle stops at a certain spot. When it stops, you make a big black hash mark where it stops. And then on either side of that, you make little hash marks. You can put them real close together. You can put them fairly far apart. You can make them different colors. You can do anything you want. They don't have to be measured or anything else. Just put little hash marks and one big hash mark and little hash marks. Now you've got a calibrated water temperature gauge. Oh my God. Even though cal- now, even though calibrated usually means that, you know, that you've added numbers to it, uh, you don't need numbers to it. You need just something that you can use for quick visual reference and say, up, oh, it's a little bit lower than it should be, or it's a little bit higher than it should be. And that's the first thing I used to do with those cars, any cars, Cadillac Sedan DeVille or, you know, uh, Toyota Corolla, didn't matter. Actually got runner up in super stock eliminator at Palmdale, California in a Toyota Corolla at an import national event. <laughs> See, once again, we're talking about stories that should be wrote down. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this isn't what you wanted to talk about. No, but. but. But it is completely and utterly interesting, and I promise you that two of the four people that are listening are laughing right now as they're driving down the highway. Uh, some of the other things that I'm willing to divulge <laughs> uh, with all with all rental cars. I'm serious. You know, I used to do a one of my main classes in my drag racing school was a class that was entitled "99 Bits of Information Off of One Time Slip." And uh, I always used to tell the, the students, I call them kids, I guess, but uh, I always used to tell the students, I'm giving you 99 bits of information on one time slip, completely different bits of information from one time slip. And they'd say, wow, that's an awful lot. And I'd say, yeah, well, I, I personally keep track of 127. And they're like, well, why aren't you teaching us 127? I said, because I'm not going to teach you every damn thing I know. I know that's why. <laughs> uh, you know, figure some of this out on your own. Uh, but some of the stuff I'm willing to divulge, uh, I short shift all, re- all, uh, rental cars. Obviously they're automatics. Uh, I, I have run sticks, but 
Um, the reason I short shift them is because rental cars are prone to screw up, whether it's spinning the tires. You have to remember the tires on rental cars are like, you know, 19,000 hardness. Yeah, they make taxi cab tires look soft. They really do. So being incredibly hard, they're also incredibly slippery. Uh, so tire pressure is a huge deal with, uh, especially with front wheel drive cars. But my point is, uh, what was my point? Oh, uh, the cars will turn around and blow the tires off for absolutely no reason. Uh, again, because the, the rubber's so hard, uh, not to mention, you know, with rental cars, you don't do burnouts and most tracks are sloppy about cleaning up water and everything else. And you can just caught, get caught in situations where the car is going to lose traction. They also tend to just fall on their face for no good reason because they're rental cars and people just drive them into phone poles, you know, for fun. So they're, they're screwed up. So if you get a car that makes, you know, three time trials of 1750, 1751 and 1750, what are you going to do? You're going to put 1750 on the window. Well, the problem is, is that you don't know if it's going to do that ever again. So, uh, you, short shift the thing to where it goes, you know, whatever, 1780. And that way, when it does blow the tires off or it does fall on its face at half track for no good reason, you can shift the thing normally and you got three tents in your pocket. <laughs> well, let, let me see what I got in my pocket. Hold, hold on a second here. So, because a lucky what, rabbit's foot, yeah, lucky. Uh, baseball cards, a sack of marbles. And a lot of lint. Uh, (laughs) Brett you talk about the number of people that went through your school I want you to think I want you to think back because because our show is starting to sound like my therapist now (laughs) right my phrase think back Brett (laughs) close your eyes go to your happy place (laughs) (laughs) I feel pretty so pretty it's fourth grade and there's Susie Johnson. <laughs> when we talk a lot about self-promotion and personalities on our show and, and how we want to, you know, we, we talk about trying to be living the dream and making it to where you draw a paycheck and racing. And, and a lot of today's society is personalities and it's social media and buzz. You're, you came up to this point and as you went through Give me, give me two or three personalities that went through your drag racing school or that you had interaction with throughout your TV career, possibly, that were just, if you could bring them to 2019, that they would just be right there on the screen with people like Stevie Jackson and, and Donald Long and, and John Force and, and from that standpoint or, or Kyle Bush or, or Clint Boyer, that just some really solid personalities that we wouldn't think about because we didn't have social media back in the 1980s and 1990s. Well, there was that Don O'Neill guy, but you got to drop so many F-bombs. Wearing those BDUs, baby. <laughs> there was there, there were quite a few memorable guys. I don't know if you... Are you asking me what traits they had that made them great, or are you just asking who they were? Who who were they? Who, did, who stood out in your mind from your professional montage? 
Well, let me counter that by explaining that uh, this is about as close to a boast as I thought I would get talking to you guys. Uh, <laughs> but but, but it's, it actually needs to be brought up. From a television standpoint, uh, boy, I hate to be rude to other people to do this job, but, you know, it's actually sometimes better to just dress up a mannequin in a television uniform and duct tape a microphone to its extended arm and just stand it at the last turnoff road and have a recorder around its neck that just says, how do you feel? Uh, that's pretty much the state of the art in top end interviews right now is how do you feel? Or my, or my personal favorite, how much does this mean? What is the proper answer there? Six? I'm going to go with a solid. Or, or, or is, it, is it an arm measurement thing where you hold your arms out three feet or you hold them out two feet? Not this much. Um, I, I think you get my point. Yes, absolutely. The, a lot of guys who really came off on television well and who seem to have a really good point or had a personality that really came through were being manipulated by, and I'm not talking specifically about me here, were being manipulated by somebody who knew how to get them to be that way. I'll give you an example. Uh, either of you guys ever hear of Jimmy Rector? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, J- Jimmy is best known right now as... Who is he working for since Danny Rowe Park? No, he's, uh, I believe it's... Shane Westerfield! Who he's went over to and started helping out. Is that who he's with now? Isn't that right, Well, Cam? up until... He's on an alcohol car. Yeah, he's on, He's doing alcohol yeah, funny yeah, car. That's, that's all he is. That's all he is. He's an alcohol funny car uh, wizard. I mean, that's that's all he's ever been. And Jimmy is a big old country boy from Alabama who won a couple of IHRA World Championships, and he doesn't have anything interesting to say to anybody. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but when I'm just just giving you an idea of, of the background here that turned him into a pretty damn funny interview. Uh, when Jimmy gets out of the car at the top end of the uh, of the track. He only wants to know one thing, and that's what did the car run. He doesn't want to know anything else. But like a starving chihuahua, he will just about kill me if I'm holding a steak in front of him to get to the meat. So you can make him do circus tricks, you know, before you actually tell him what the car ran. So... While I'm teasing him, you know, he'd get out of the car and say, you know, what's car run? What's car run? And I could say, you know, 678, congratulations, you won. And he'd go, okay, and he'd leave. Well, there goes your top end interview. <laughs> so he'd get out of the car and say, what it run? What it run? And I'd say, well, wait a minute, you know, what was that puff of smoke I saw out of the right back at the finish line? Oh, I don't know. It felt like it burned two or three. What it run? What it run? Well, why did it burn two or three? Did you set it up to kill or did you just screw up? I, I screwed up. I, 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 I messed the tune up completely. What did it run? And you can get him to say, uh, I slept with my mother when I was in third grade. It doesn't matter. And that's how Jimmy Rector became a really good interviewer is because of people, I won't say who, making him dance on the top end. 
Uh, on the other side of the coin, you got Scotty Cannon. That's the one. You know, who's, liable, who's, <laughs> who's liable to just get out of the car and say, I slept with my mother when I was third, in mm. third grade. Um, you know, there there are the Stevie Jacksons, the the uh, the Scotty Cannons. Uh, there's everybody, every generation has a Stevie Jackson and a Scotty Cannon. There's always been one. Uh, Tom McEwen, you know, he was the, I guess the ball buster is what you call it now, uh, of the 1960s. Um, in the 1970s, you know, the worst interview in the sport was Don Perone, but he was the best interview in the sport because he was so cool because he knew he was killing everybody. Um, who was big in the 80s? Kenny Bernstein changed everything in the 80s because he actually started using top-end interviews, televised or otherwise, uh, as a sponsorship tool that was successful. And now, of course, everybody is still trying to be Kenny Bernstein, and it's just a mess now. You know, every time somebody says, hats off to blah, 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 that's Kenny Bernstein. It's a direct theft of his quote. Yes. Yes, He's it the is. He's started saying that. You know, he would get out of that car and say, hats off to Dale and the crew and Budweiser and, you know, just right down the list. And now, 30 years later, people are still doing it. It's like, enough. Jesus. Uh, how'd you get me on this rant now? Well, no, it's, oh, it's, no, it's uh, real. it's there, really good. <laughs> there's, there's one other one I wanted to bring up that, that popped in my head when you asked the question. Uh, students, uh, who have great personalities and or were good top end interviews or good television interviews. Um, one of my students is Clay Bellican. Oh, yeah. Brett, it's got to feel really cool to have somebody like Clay Milliken, who's a sportsman guy, came up from, you know, dominated IHRA days, and then to kind of see where he's just, like, taking his career and family and, and sponsors and and really started to uh, solidify himself over on the NHRA side. Yeah, I'm a super fan of Clay, too. Love that guy. Well, the thing about Clay is... Everything you see is Clay Milliken. The, the only reason Clay Milliken is a really good, seems like a really good guy in an interview is because Clay Milliken is a really good human being, period. And that's probably the bottom line lesson for anybody listening to this that wonders uh, why people like Clay Milliken uh, or why he's any different than any other top-end interview. In this sport or any other sport, you've got to be unafraid you've got to be yourself and don't worry about how things are going to come out don't make decisions based on how you think you look because no matter what you usually end up looking stupid anyway and <laughs> and i mean i mean that seriously uh, very few very few people come off as anything other than just a don you know regular old donkey so if you're going to come off as a regular old donkey you know, make make the most of it. Have fun. Instead of some idiot walking up to you saying, "You just, uh, honest to God, I don't want to pick on people, but we all witnessed it. If you watch the, the uh, U.S. Nationals on TV, somebody walked up to John Force and said, you just won your 150th race. You just won the U.S. Nationals. What's next for John Force? What the hell was that? <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable but John Force just ignored it 
Yes. Yeah, he didn't look at the person and say, what in the hell does that even mean? And then break their jaw like he should have. <laughs> he just ignored it and went off being John Force. That's exactly what Cam needs to do. It's exactly what Don O'Neill needs to do. It's exactly what everybody listening to the show needs to do. Don't try. Don't think about trying to look a certain way. You are what you are. And 90% of the time, there's 10% idiots out there. I'll be the first to admit, but 90% of the time, you'll come off great. You'll come off better than most people. If you just, you know, like I said, if somebody asks you a stupid question, how much does this mean? You know, instead of saying, well, I just want into you, you dumb son of a bitch. What do you think? <laughs> uh, which is the only optional answer there. You know, how do you feel? You know, well, it depends. How do you feel when you have 18 kidney stones and somebody just <laughs> put a stone needle in your eye? You know, it's, it's absurd stuff. So don't even pay attention to the absurdity. Uh, get out of the car and say, you know, there was a kid in high school that used to pick on me all the time. And I just want to say. You, you son of a bitch, this is for you. Uh, my, my high you know, school, now, hey. Yeah, my high school, my high school guidance counselor owes me an apology. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> to my high school guidance counselor who said I was just going to get arrested and do heroin because I drag raced. Uh, you know what I want to say, You're right? I, exactly. I'm, I'm retired as as of July first. I'm retired, so I'm really tempted to use the F bomb. <laughs> I won't. Uh, um, well, so I, I hope that makes sense to you. The reason Clay Milliken is is the reason everybody likes Clay Milliken is because Clay Milliken is Clay Milliken. Period. No, oh, for sure, totally. Well, Brett, we're gonna. Uh, we're going to let you go as we are now made our way into Thursday morning uh, <laughs> on the recording of our Racers and Rental Cars podcast. Uh, but I can't let you go without going through two of the, just two questions that we do for everybody that comes on the show. Uh, the first one. Just remember, you've seen what happened with one question. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, well the, these should be really simple because they should just be, okay. just yeah. be As one. As we roll into uh, uh, Friday morning for question two. <laughs> the, the answer to your first question is six inches. What's the answer to the next question? <laughs> All right. You get to send one Christmas card to somebody in motorsports. Who is it? Holy Christ. Did you leave us again? Or? I have I have never, ever been asked a question that difficult in my life by anybody. And now we're here. And now, uh, we're, and now we're here. One, one Christmas card. You get to send one Christmas card to somebody in motorsports. Who is it? Ah, uh, shit. Uh, I guess uh, I, I'm, we're, we're including... Uh, deceased people here. I don't have Absolutely. to actually dig them up to give them a card. Right? <laughs> yep. It, it can uh, be, it be anyone. Yeah. There's, there's been a lot of people that have helped me in this business, but a guy named Jim Kelly is the guy who really gave me my break. Uh, he was the, uh, media guy for the American Hot Rod Association at the time that he gave me my break, AHRA. But he's also considered one of the great uh, photographers drag racing. His name was Diamond Jim Kelly, who has been, uh, inducted in the international drag racing hall of fame and uh yeah i guess that's that's the first one that comes to mind 
That's that's. I figured it was going to be somebody that impacted your life to give you your the career. Oh, yeah. or you, you know, totally figured that. All right. So now this is the best one. So now you get to send one WTF card to somebody in motorsports. Who is it? Wow. That kind of goes back to the uh, the guidance counselor deal there. Yes, it uh, does. <laughs> We've had some really good ones. Oh, we've so, had some really, no yeah, we've had some really well, good ones, and and a lot what, of them have been modern day answers too. <laughs> is this uh, this going to be a first if I say my father? That would totally be a first. Sorry, I I, I could be politically correct here, but I I'd, I'd be breaking the rule that I just mandated. You know, be be your be yourself and be true. Uh, yeah, my, my I never had a good relationship with my father at all, and he thought this was all just a waste of time. Well, uh, that's uh, it, uh, you know, it, I think a lot of times though in today's society, if, if you if you make a decision, you you're passionate about something, and you make a, a course or a course of action or a way of life, and you see it through, and it makes you happy. Uh, then, then so be it. Did I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this from as a a least personal angle as I can, hoping that it will make some sense for somebody listening out there. Uh, I spent a lot of time trying to make him happy and I was incredibly lucky that very early on in my life, I caught myself and said, I need to stop spending time trying to make him happy and make sure I make me happy. And I've been inducted into drag racing hall of fames and those were kind of my paybacks. Oh, for sure. Uh, Absolutely. That's great advice to, to all listeners out there, regardless of, of who the WTF card goes to. You we, know? We, we, we've all, we've all seen people that are just, especially guys. Unfortunately, it's a guy father thing. I, I, I'm sure it works the same with women, but we're guys. So we don't know what the hell is going on with women. Uh, the the we we've all seen guys that are just latched on to that trying to prove something uh, throughout their entire lives until all of a sudden you know, you've wasted your life trying to do something that didn't matter anyway. That's right. That's exactly so. right. Well, Brett. Uh, sir, it's it's been a pleasure and, and actually an honor. Believe I mean, like I said, this is on. I, I gotta say, man, those those last two questions. That's that's a whole new level for me. That's that was pretty impressive to both of you. That was very impressive. Well, coming coming from you, uh, just to let you know how I think about it, how far back I go, I all I have in my mind when I'm listening to you is you sticking a microphone underneath a car cover, interviewing Tim McCamus when he had a when he had a dual disc clutch. Uh, <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, you wouldn't let me. He wouldn't let me see anything, so we got under. He got underneath his car cover, and I said, "Well, we'll fix this." He didn't know I was going to do that interview. He had no idea I was out there until he heard me talking. Yes, uh, I'll never. But, f- uh, yeah, yeah I'll, it, was, it was a good one. Yeah, and he beat beat my Mike Ashley. I think he went like seven oh seven or something like that. And that was that was yeah, like right. that. Yeah, it was hauling the mail back then. Ah, well, Brett, we're going to let you get off here. Once again, sir, I greatly appreciate you taking time out to do this. Yeah, We're thank gonna- you very much. This episode went a complete 
left turn from what I thought it was going to be, but I loved every every single minute of it. So thank you very much. I, I appreciate a, that. Uh, I, I, had a, I had a really good time as well, and I uh, thank you very much. It's easily the most fun I've had on a podcast, so thank you. Well, uh, well, well, Brett. Before you take off, for our listeners who might want to have the the you, reach out you to you, you just want this to go into Friday, don't you? Yeah, I, <laughs> no. I want to make I want to make sure everybody knows how to get in touch with you. What's the easiest way to get in touch with Brett Kepner? Oh, well, just ring the doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> don't sit out front and honk either. I'm sick of people. <laughs> Did you leave the signs to a minimum, too? My neighbors are getting a little creeped out. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm on Facebook. Uh, Don O'Neill on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's Brett Kepner, B-R-E-T-K-E-P-N-E-R. So, you know, it's just uh, my... my uh, my profile is public, so you don't have to worry about seeing the, uh, you know, the silhouette of the girl or something. You know, it's it's all legit. Uh, that's that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. It really is. Uh, I don't do any TV stuff anymore, so uh, this is the first. This is a first of that era for me. This is the first year that I'm not doing it. So, just got a friend request from some guy named Cameron Fury. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, yeah. we aim to please my friend we aim to please uh, well, I was going to say damn it it looks like I've been hacked again <laughs> <laughs> Brett sir thank you once again greatly appreciate it alright buddy you take care Have a good evening. talk to you soon sir oh man Cam what 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 can you say dude I, I mean seriously I could listen and talk to him with a list of questions today. I mean, today was a long day for me and die in the hospital. But just, just to think about how much history, dude. We didn't even talk to him about uh, monster truck days, the other forms of motorsports that he did on TV, how he's seen the pro mod era, you know, shuttle in and come from the IHRA days to get to NHRA. We, we didn't even have opportunities to talk about things like that. And he's a historian. I, I mean, I literally had a conversation last night with another publication editor, and we were talking about trying to come up with the top three most knowledgeable individuals about just drag racing. And and I, and I couldn't come up with a third. The first for me, uh, which was like a... Both of us said it at the same time. Behind Brett was Bob Fry. And then beyond Bob Fry, we couldn't come up with a third. We thought Brian Loans was starting to come in pretty close. Uh, didn't really want to give Lewis Bloom uh, because he's really, I think Lewis is just more of a modern day uh, individual on the status side, if you will. I know he grew up in the Northeast and so forth. But man, Brett Kepner is just a freaking. It walking badass encyclopedia. Dude, hell yeah. I mean, it just goes to show you, we didn't even like tip the iceberg, like you said, of, of what he's accomplished with within the industry. And, you know, he's a crack up. I never realized how funny he was. Oh, if, if you really, if for our listeners, just go out on YouTube. Uh, Inside Drag Racing has a lot uh, on YouTube. But but there is there's a video of him back in the eighties. Uh, I believe I'm almost positive that it was Darlington Dragway, 
And Tim McCamus had a car cover over top of his car while he was adjusting a clutch. And Brett's interviewing him, lifting the car cover up and sticking. Now, you got to remember at this time, these microphones that they were using were like eating Dairy Queen or A&W Root Beer Chili Dogs. I mean, they're freaking like long as heck. And Brett sticking up underneath the car cover, uh, talking to Tim. Uh, And I can't wait now that I've remembered this uh, from last week doing research and familiarizing, reminding myself. I can't wait till next week when I see McCamus because I'm going to bust his chops about it and be like dude do you remember when you did this i mean come on <laughs> yeah no that i he's got stories for days i can imagine so i mean he's definitely we may have to have him on again and go to go to chapter two uh how about how about we have a we should have like you know we want to do a round t- session with uh with Costello and Bobby Bennett about the whole NHRA stuff. How about if we had a round table with Brett with uh, just announcers? That'd be sweet. Yeah, I mean, could you see Brett at PRI giving, doing classes for uh, media personalities? I, I, I mean, uh, that, you get him and Bob Fry. That'd be cool. Or Dave McClough. I mean, golly. We go on another tangent. Uh, we're not. We're, I'm not going to get riled up because that's just history for me as a kid growing up uh, and remembering those days with my dad listening to those voices. So you got pretty wi- You got pretty wiry considering the fact it's probably like one in the morning there. Yeah, we're yeah. we're about twenty minutes away from one o'clock in the morning. But dude, when it comes to things like that that bring me back to my days with my dad, I I do I get kind of get kind of chipped up. But uh, dude. I can't. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Uh, Thank you for everyone that's out there uh, buying our stuff off a stupid fast racing trailer at the events and the website. Uh, Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening to our podcast from. And yes, and we we do appreciate. I mean, we did actually for real have a huge week uh, for the racers and rental cars podcast. So all of you that are telling your friends, it's actually working. Like, like. In a big way, and we uh, we greatly appreciate that. Oh, for sure. Not that we didn't have big weeks before, but no, there. yeah. But it's just this <laughs> last week was like, whew. yeah, la- wow. yeah. Last week's report, I printed it off. I'm going to put it in a frame, kind of like my first uh, A on a test or something. Yeah, put that shit on the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. everybody walk by, tap it. You know, got to be a champion. But hey, Cam, take us out of here, dude. And I will see you next week. As usual, thanks to Voice America for uh, helping produce this. Uh, Streetway Marketing and Media, PDS, Performance Data Systems, and Stupid Fast Racing. And uh, all the love and support to all the fans out there, all you beautiful people. We uh, appreciate it. (laughs) Just kidding. Later. (laughs) See ya.